We welcome you to New Hampshire Authors Week in partnership with New Hampshire Writers Project on WKXL, presented by the New Hampshire Writers Project, along with our primary show sponsor, Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, joining me in studio is Rob Green, writing as R.W.W. Green. And uh, Rob, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Ken. It's great it, to be here. It is my pleasure. And uh, Rob is based in New Hampshire, a frequent panelist at the Boscone Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention in Boston. And his work has been seen in stupefying stories, daily science fiction, new myths, and Jersey Devil Press. I don't know if that's hockey-related or not. Uh, how many books, Rob, do you have to your credit? Uh, I've got uh, three books published and a fourth coming out in October, which is the sequel to the third book. All right, and uh, we'll be looking forward to that. At, at what point uh, in your life, Rob, uh, did you know you wanted to be a writer, uh, an author? I think I think I always did, and I, I remember distinctly in when I was eight or nine wanting to be the next Andy Rooney. Uh, you know, read all of his books and uh, watched them on 60 Minutes and wrote a lot of essays on, like, with curmudgeonly eight-year-old uh, commentary, and I enjoyed that a lot, and I liked that people liked it. And I uh, just kind of continued in that vein through, uh, through school, and after school I became a, a, a print journalist and wrote then, so I paid my bills for a long time with writing. And then I uh, switched to teaching high school English in Nashua, and I did that for about 12 years. And about midway through, I decided that I wanted to really kind of try my hand at fiction writing. So I, uh, about 10, 11, 12 years ago, I, I started writing short stories, and the rest has kind of come from that. You know, I never thought you'd walk in here and say your inspiration was Andy Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody talks about Andy anymore, but I enjoyed him a lot. You know, in my opinion, 60 Minutes has never been the same without, mm, Andy, without Rooney Andy Rooney in the last few minutes uh, of, of the show. So what was your journey? You hear all kinds of journeys to uh, the, you know, the first time you get a, a book published. What kind of journey did you take? Uh, the my publisher is called Angry Robot Books. It's based in London, England, and uh, about once a year they hold what they call an open submission period, where you can send them a book or uh, uh, idea for a book uh, without having to have an agent. Uh, so I did that. Uh, I was teaching at the time, so I didn't have a lot of time to kind of think about my career. Uh, and about a year later, I got a message from them, them saying that they wanted me to uh, to sell my book to them. So I was very excited, and I did, of course. And uh, through them, I found my, my representation, my agent, Sarah Megabo. She's from KT Literary. And now she's the one who sells the book, and I just have to write them. That's it. That's it. Simple as that. Yep. Huh? And then we'll talk about your, your writing uh, process uh, a little bit. But uh, uh, what do you consider your genre? Uh, I'm a science fiction writer, uh, so I'm writing about you know things that haven't happened yet or things that might have happened in a different way if we had made different decisions. Uh, my first book, uh, The Light Years, is kind of a far future um, uh, arranged marriage with relativity kind of thing. So this uh, young man, he's 28, uh, his family wants him to get married, so he arranges for a marriage. And then he flies off at near light speed, so when he, by the time he comes back from the planet, maybe two months have passed for him, and she's grown up, and now she's 26, and old enough to get married. Um, and then I wrote kind of a near future climate 
thing, you know, looking at like the climate change and the effects it might have. And uh, this book, uh, Mercury Rising, on the desk here is uh, kind of a not, uh, kind of an alternate history of the '70s if the Cold War hadn't happened, but an alien invasion had. Ah, intriguing, intriguing. Now, you you you're working on a book. Let's just presume you are. And uh, something new, a new idea uh, pops into your head. Uh, do you start another book or do you wrap up your current project? Well, I, it tends, I think it depends on how that current project is going. Yeah. I, I just had a, a situation like that uh, happen over the weekend. Really? Where, you know, I was working on this book. I've been working on this book for about three, four months, and it's just not, it's not going where I wanted to go. It's not flying. So I put that in the trunk. I've shelved it. Uh, and I'll work on this new idea for a while, and maybe this new idea will get finished, and then I'll go back to the one in the trunk. You know, that's kind of the way it goes. So you, you started a new one. I did. And, I did. And, I don't always do that. You know, that's, you know if, if the book is going well and then you get an idea, then you just write it down or hope you remember to write it down and put it somewhere you're going to remember. Uh, if you have enough time, maybe you outline it or something like that. But, you know, the, the most important thing about a, a writing project is getting it done. You know, you can't do much with it until it's done. So uh, a little bit of stick-to-itiveness is important. Yeah, have you had uh, other unfinished books? Yeah, yeah, I've got several in the trunk. I've got, you know, some <laughs> that were a, a full first draft, and uh, I've got the whole thing down. And I've got some that are about halfway, and uh, this book was halfway for you know, a few years uh, while I wrote some other stuff and got back to it. So it's... You know, I'm always writing, and I'm always trying to finish, but sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, uh, you've created uh, characters uh, over the years. Uh, I'm going to ask you who your favorite is, or perhaps which character seems to be the most demanding of your time and detail as a writer. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, we try to ask all the probing questions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, that, you know, because they, they, they never quite leave your head, right? So they're always kind of in there. And the way I can kind of tell a book is working is when it starts talking to me and I'm like driving in my car and I'm like, dialogue is going on. Um, probably my, my favorite character I've created is the character I created for the third book, uh, Brooklyn the Montaigne. He's a, a 1970s kind of New York street crook who, uh, his name is Brooklyn, but he's born in Queens, but his dad didn't want to admit that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Brooklyn gets in trouble with the law, and, uh, you know, in, in order to avoid a sentence at Attica, he joins the Earth Orbital Defenses and goes off into space to fight. Uh, and I like him because he, you know, his, you say that every character has to want something when you write, and Brooklyn just kind of want to get want to get by. You know, just wants to get his rent paid and, you know, have a couple beers and make sure his mom's okay. Doesn't want to do anything too ambitious. You know, probably wants to catch a baseball game, uh, but you know, he'll do what he can to kind of get in that situation. And I, you know, I kind of like that as a as a goal. He doesn't want to rule the world. He just wants a, you know, a baseball game and a six-pack and a girlfriend and you know that's about it that's about it what, yeah. what else do you need what else do you need right, right. Uh, now when you're you're driving along it's sometimes you, you know, maybe not sometimes but a lot of the time do you hear conversations in your head about you know uh you know the dialogue from a book or or, or whatever it might be yeah driving is kind of my my best thing i when i when i get stuck i get in the car i turn the radio off because i don't want to hear any noise okay and i can drive for you know 20 30 minutes with like that's just like enough brain attention to to what i'm doing that allow my my other parts of my brain to kind of work and then i start hearing 
the ideas and the voices, and sometimes it's like an entire line of dialogue or a conversation. And I, you know, I, I don't write while I'm driving, of course, uh, at least not physically. But you know, the ideas come, and and generally driving is probably the the best way for me to kind of brainstorm with myself. And I, again, I, you know, no. Uh, no disrespect to the radio industry. I do have to turn the radio off and the music off when I do that. <laughs> I hear it. We, we don't recommend that, folks, yep. unless you're you know, a writing professional. Yep. Uh, we want you to keep that radio right here uh, where it is right now. So that's interesting. You, you don't write anything physically. Uh, do you have a, a tape recorder or something that, uh, that you'll talk into? And I do have a, yeah. a voice memo thing. That okay. I'll take some voice memos I'm an old guy's a tape yeah. recorder. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah. I've, got, I've got that, and that works out, and, uh, you know, um, sometimes I, I just hope to hang on to it, and sometimes I do, you know. Yeah. Well, that that, that is terrific. So uh, our guest is uh, Rob Green, and uh, he writes as R.W.W. Green, and we were talking a little bit uh, before the show, and it's understandable why. I mean, Rob Green is a rather uh, rather generic name, right? There's a lot of Rob Greens out there. It is. It's so, very generic. You know, there's a Shakespearean contemporary named Robert Green, and Oprah Winfrey worked with the Chicago sports writer Bob Green. No, yeah. There's all kinds of Rob Greens out there. So my full name, my full real name is Robert William Wright Green. So that's, it makes sense. That seemed kind of pretentious to put in a book. So, yeah. <laughs> so I dropped, dropped it down to the initials. So that's the way you can Google him at R.W.W. Green. And uh, you are a, a prolific writer. When, when did you start actually you know, writing books? I know you were a journalist before that. Uh, probably because I, I, I was working at a high school teaching creative writing and journalism. And I really started enjoying what I was doing with the kids and kind of wanted that same kind of classroom experience. So I uh, enrolled at the SNU Southern New Hampshire University MFA program ah. uh, in about 2010 and uh, kind of went from there. And that's not too long. Not I too mean, long, man, yeah. It's like 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. Uh, Rob Green is with us and if you're looking for his books and want to Google him, uh, R.W.W. Green is the one to look for. This is New Hampshire Authors Week on WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com, partnering up with the New Hampshire Writers Project, and great to have you with us today. And also want to thank our primary sponsor, Northeast Delta Dental, with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at DeltaDentalCoversMe.com. Back with our W.W. Green right after these words. Kalen Company here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. Welcome back. NHTalkRadio.com. WKXL. It's our New Hampshire Authors Week in partnership with the New Hampshire Writers Project. And we are presented by the New Hampshire Writers Project along with our primary sponsor, Northeast Delta Dental. Rob Green is with us on uh, today's segment of uh, Authors Week here on WKXL, a a science fiction writer. And uh, tell us about, uh, Rob, your uh, writing process. Do you start with an outline? Do you plot it all ahead of time or create as the story unfolds? Uh, I guess my answer is yes. Uh, All of the above. All of the above, yeah, yeah. No, I've got, you know, I even go back to manual typewriters sometimes. Uh, Oh, good for you. I I collect manual typewriters, and I, 
you know, there's nothing better as far as I'm concerned for first drafts because you just you can't really go back. You can't edit. You just kind of race ahead, and it's got good sounds, and it's very tactile and doesn't get Twitter or anything like that. Uh, so is I've, that a real old one or an electric one? Real old one. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, nice. yeah. No, I've got, I've got I've got probably 33 typewriters. I uh, don't wow. like the electrics because I can't fix them. Okay. Uh, but I like working on the old ones. Yeah. Uh, so if you had changing tomorrow, the ribbons and all that. Yep, yeah. I like yeah. the way they smell. You know, I like yeah. the clack and the bit and the ding and the you know. There's something about piling the paper up beside you instead of like just looking at the word count on the computer. That's really kind of special. Uh, so I do, you know, I do a little bit of that too. I do a little, but it depends, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, if something's not going well, I'll have to do it by hand. I'll write by hand. Yeah. Sometimes if it's going real well, I'll sit there at the computer. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll do an outline. Sometimes I'll do an outline, like when I'm about halfway through it and I can't figure out where it goes next. So I have to like stop and like figure out where I was. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll do uh, what I call the big paper when I get the big like craft paper out on the table and the magic markers and I'll do the whole arc and I'll figure stuff out in different colors and that kind of thing. And then I can put that on the wall and look at it and like remember where I'm going. Um, but it, it really depends. I don't think I've written this. The thing that I just stopped writing uh, for a while, it was one of the reasons it wasn't working is I just kept writing different parts. So I wrote like the ending first and then the middle and the... You know, so I just was never able to get on get on a good, you know, good stream of consciousness, I guess. Right. Uh, so, uh, like I said, I put that in the trunk, and I'm working on this other thing that hopefully I can just shoot ahead at it and get it done in like three months or so. We'll see. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned uh, you know old fashioned typewriters. I don't I don't know where you can buy them these days. I I, I guess you can see them online from time to time and mm-hmm. and buy them that way. Uh, but I I've always said, and and, and you're a former teacher. Maybe you might uh, take umbrage at this, but you know, the the class that I took in high school that has stayed with me the longest was typing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd ta- wish I'd taken typing. I graduated from high school in '89, and it was still a possibility, but uh, I didn't take it, and as a result, I still can't type. I mean, I I hunt and peck two fingers, three fingers, four fingers. The delete key is my most used key. <laughs> you know, if I had been smarter, I would have taken, you know, learned those home rows, you know, but uh, I didn't. Well, you're a lot younger than me, I, but uh, and I, I'm, I'm surprised that even at that stage they even offered it. But yeah. uh, but they, they did when I was going to high school, for sure. So what do you enjoy, uh, Rob? Rob, by the way, writes as R-W-W Green with an E mm-hmm. uh, at the end. And uh, what do you enjoy most about, about writing? Uh, I think it's, I think writing is one of those, is the, is the primary means I've had of like reaching out and communicating with people ever since I was a kid, you know? So from back in the Andy Rooney days where I would like, you know, I wanted them to know that I was thinking about this thing and I was thinking this about this thing. So I'd wrote it. Uh, so I think I like, the best thing I like is having an audience to share my thoughts with. So you know, I've asked this question of other other writers sometimes. If you know, if no one ever read you, would you still write? You know, and some people say yes, they would because they just love writing, just sitting down for hours and just. If I didn't have readers, I don't think I would write because I need that other side, that other part of the communication to happen, and that loop in order for me to kind of feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. Well, you you do have an audience today, or or at least uh, that's what we hope, that you have an audience today. And a little bit later on, we're going to have uh, Rob 
uh, read uh, a couple of passages from uh, from his uh, most recent book, and uh, he, he's going to give me a chance to pick out what page I want to hear. page you want to hear, yeah. yeah. Any yeah. page. You want to hear the last page? It's up to you. Ah, you know, you'd even read the last I'd page. I'd even huh? read the last page. Ah, okay. Yeah. And it's a big book, too. How many pages on that one? Uh, about 390, somewhat, well, yeah. Boy. So, at any rate, uh, we found out a little bit about uh, the way you go about writing. Do you... Do you find it a, a learning experience for yourself? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, considering what I do, I have to do a lot of research, yeah, too. So, sure. you know, if I were, you know, writing this book, I had to worry about three or four different planets, gravity, and, you know, the distance yeah. between them, you know, so there's all, I'm always looking stuff up. Um, but, you know, moreover, it's, it's also kind of my way of exploring what I think about things. You know, the character is not me, so, but the character is like being approached with a problem that he or she is telling me how to solve through me. Um, so I think you learn a lot about human nature. You know, you learn a lot about, you know, places. You know, sometimes you have to travel somewhere, or travel somewhere, like you have to go to New York and kind of get the feel of New York before you can write about New York. And, you know, you can't go into space, obviously, <laughs> but you can spend some time thinking about that and doing research and watching videos and that kind of thing. Um, so I think you do have to, you really have to learn a lot in order to write a book. Is it more difficult to write, let's say, from a, a, whim, a woman's perspective when you're writing a, a female character? I don't think so because they're just, you know, they're just people. I mean, you see the, every once in a while you see the memes of the male writer writing women, um, you know, they're, you know, in those bad examples, they're always very conscious of the fact that they're women are thinking about their womanly attributes and this kind of stuff all the time. And, you know, that's just not true. They're just thinking about, you know, themselves and, you know, it's just a different perspective, you know, what's, what's dangerous, what's not dangerous, how to react to certain people, you know, it's, it's, I think it's about, you know, you got to listen to a lot of people and you got to, you know, test it. I, of course, I'll ask my wife to read it and she'll tell me whether I'm full of it or not. Uh, <laughs> she, but, she's probably the most honest, right? She's very yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She, you, she's no sugar coat. My mom loves everything, yeah. you know, that I yeah. write. Yeah, moms will like that. Yeah, yep. and my yep. wife is like, Rob, what are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, now? I know that it's science fiction, but do you identify with the characters you create, or is it totally the opposite? I, I think I do sometimes. And there's a character in Mercury Rising. His name is Demarco, and he's a you know a guy who I can't tell you where he lives. That would be a spoiler. But he's a you know he's he was a guy who's been kidnapped by aliens and you know stranded in this place. And he likes science fiction. He likes to you know eat food and have conversations and talk about things like that. He's a lot like me. Uh, the main character is not much like me, but you know, every once in a while you throw someone in there who, you know, could be you, you know, in the right circumstances. Yeah, exactly. And how about uh, any unusual writing habits that you might be able to share with us on, on a family program? <laughs> <laughs> unusual writing habits. Uh, you know, a typewriter is a little unusual. That is. Um, that is strange. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wrote my first book completely with completely with the typewriter. I've written two or three books with the typewriter, um, and like I said, I still go back to it sometimes. Unusual writing habits. Uh, I mean, I know some people who have like the magic feather. They have to have the right pen. This, you know, the mm -hmm. perfect pen or the perfect yeah. paper, the perfect notebook. I don't think I have anything like that. I just need a big screen and a good keyboard, and then I can just kind of go. 
Yeah. So yeah. no, no real unusual habits, except for the fact uh, you use a, an old-fashioned typewriter. Old-fashioned typewriter. And yeah. uh, of which you have 33. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you have a favorite one to write with? Uh, I got a, a Olympia yeah. SM9 from 1971 that uh, is kind of my daily driver. But I've also got a, a Latera 32, which was the... Uh, you know, kind of the one that um, Cormac McCarthy wrote all his books on. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And it was like a very fav- favorite teacher type typewriter among Vietnam War correspondents because it fit in their backpacks. So it was like an early laptop. Yeah. So yeah. I like that one quite a well, quite a bit too. So I, I think we might have you might have answered this question just a, just a moment ago. But uh, what's the toughest criticism you've ever received as a writer? Oh, man, uh, I think <laughs> the the probably the one that hit me the hardest, and this is when I was publishing a lot of short stories, and I, I wrote a short story uh, from the perspective of uh, a young woman, or she was a teenager, ba- basically, who was being sent off into space with a space colony, and I wrote that, and it got published, and someone uh, accused me of being a middle-aged writer. Uh, that probably hit me pretty hard, because it was true. Uh, a middle-aged writer trying to write like a teenager. Uh, that was totally right. <laughs> yeah. And what about the, the most praise that, that you've had, on the other hand? Probably the, the two coolest things happen. is like, you know, if, if someone writes to you from California because they picked up one of your books at a thrift shop, and read it. That's pretty cool. And uh, I got a, a, another fellow in Los Angeles who says that uh, the first book made him reevaluate his relationship with his father and kind of had an epiphany about wow. that relationship. And wow. I was kind of, I didn't intend that, but it's nice to have happen. Yeah, no, absolutely so. Rob Green is with us. He writes as R.W.W. Green, and he is based uh, right here in the state of New Hampshire as part of our New Hampshire Authors Week in partnership with the New Hampshire Writers Project here on WKXL and with our primary show sponsor, Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be back, and uh, Rob, in the next segment, is going to read a a portion of uh, his latest effort here, which is called... Mercury Rising. Right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are celebrating New New Hampshire's Authors Week right here on the program in partnership with the New Hampshire Writers Project. And we are presented by the New Hampshire Writers Project and, of course, our primary show sponsor, which is Northeast Delta Dental. And with me in studio right now is Rob Green. He writes as R.W.W. Green, and his latest book is Mercury Rising, and he has donned his glasses for what he is going to do right now and uh, read just a little portion, give you a little tease, little tease. as to what this uh, what this book is uh, all about. So, uh, uh, Rob, uh, now is the time. I'm going to choose how many pages now in one, the book? One page through 364. So you choose the page. I'll read the last one if you want. What I'm gonna, what I'll do is I'll take a look, little peek at it, make sure it's not going to ruin anything. Oh, okay. And then I'll read it. Uh, and uh, then if you want more, you just pick another page. I'm going to go with uh, page 218. 218. That's, that's my birthday. Oh, well, happy. <laughs> I'm there. Uh, I want to make sure there's no swearing in it either. All right. Okay. okay. It's okay. This is the beginning of chapter 25. 
This right here is why you ain't supposed to be pals with your shrink. Terry was wearing his counselor clothes, issue khakis, spit shine boots, and a button-up shirt. His neck was too thick for the top button. You've missed a couple appointments, he said. How you been? All right. This feels like talking to Carmen after we broke up, like either one of us is ready to get up and run any time. You look good. Been keeping up with your workouts? Brooklyn's eye had healed as fast as a cut the doctor made. He cleared his throat. Tear? I suppose, suppose I freaked out when you said I could be a good influence on Murph. Ah, Terry looked confused. This is what I'm supposed to say. Go on. I ain't a good guy, Terry. I got my best pal killed and was ready to let another one die, too. No one should follow my example. I see. Terry tented his fingers on his knees. We've all let people down, done things we shouldn't. I'll talk to Murph. That's something a good guy would do. Brooklyn ran his hand over the top of his head. It ain't going to help. Do what you can. You might help you both. It's the end of that page. No, that's the end of page 218. 218, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. And Mercury Rising. Mercury Rising. The, the latest effort from uh, Rob Green or yeah. R.W.W. Green, if yeah. you want to uh, Google him. Check that out. And that is book, what, number four, you said? Book number three. Three, and you're working on number four. Number four is coming out in October. So in October. All, all written, all printed. It's just... Uh, Waiting to be delivered. All set to go. Yep. All right. Well, what would you like readers to uh, to take away from what what you've written? In in total, or just what I just read? No, 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 no. In 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 your total work, yeah. You know, I I think I think what what I, I science fiction appeals to me a lot because it's you know the literature of ideas. It's about like looking forward and like you know what is this gonna what is society gonna be like in in this amount of time and what is the world gonna be like and. What kind of relationship are we going to have with each other, with computers, with, you know, I mean, and, you know, I, I thought, personally, I thought I'd be living in space by now. Uh, growing up, I thought I'd be, you know, in orbit, you yeah. know, doing something. It hadn't worked out that way, but that's all right. Um, I think I want people to, you know, think about what we're doing and maybe realize that even if, you know, things look pretty dark and climate change and all that kind of stuff, that, you know, there's still going to be life you know it may not be life that we that we have now but you know people are still going to fall in love and they're still going to get drunk and they're still going to you know dance and they're still going to have a good time sometimes uh even if this may not be the same way we're doing it now uh, you know so i like i like uh you know a clear clear-headed warning with a with a chance of hope there you go. What were uh, were you influenced uh, as a young? Were you always into science fiction uh, as a kid? Yeah, I was a big reader as a kid, and I think reading is still my only superpower. Uh, I've, I've read uh, since the beginning of uh, January. I read about eighty books already this wow. year. Wow! Uh, I just read fast. Always have, uh, and I like science fiction. You know, it's. It's just it's fun, you know, and the and there's just it's challenging, you know. One of the things that I I watched it too, I, you know, watched the original Star Trek, and yeah, yeah. Always liked, you know, this it says something about that world that the weapons have a stun setting, you know. It's it's not we just they're not going out to kill people. They just you know if they can do it, they'll just knock them out, you know, stun them. And I think that it's just a, a very kind of humanistic kind of interesting way to look at it you know what would what would the world be like if you know cops what weapons had a stun setting or you know just knock them out i mean i think we'd be maybe in a better better shape i don't know maybe but i like thinking about things like that if you could go into space would you 
I would. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would. Yeah. Well, the Mars Foundation was talking about, you know, sending middle-aged people to Mars, you know, people who the radiation wouldn't change their, you know, baby-making capacity right, or anything right. like that. So, you know, as a as a 51-year-old guy, you know, I'd be perfect, right? I'm ready to go. You're, but right, You're right there. Yeah. yeah my, my wife said she wouldn't go with me, so I said no. I said I wouldn't sign up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you watch Star Trek. Any, any other science fiction movies or TV shows? Oh, all that of them. had an influence? Yeah, yeah, all yeah. of them, all yeah. of them. You know, everything I watched, you know, Star Wars and all that kind of thing. Battlestar Galactica, the new one, and uh, The Expanse is, is real good. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good ones on Apple TV. There's this one called Severance, uh, which is kind of like, uh, that your brain is altered, so you don't remember your home life when you're at work, and you don't remember your work life right at home. So you know, it's asking questions about yeah. servitude. You know, is your work self a slave to you? Uh, just really interesting questions to kind of ask. Uh, so this, I think we're, I think we're in a, a good time for that kind of stuff. And and what about your favorite authors to read? Are they all science fiction, or do you read all genres? I read all genres. I'm a you know, of course, I'm a good big Kurt Vonnegut fan, but you know, Zigzag Claiborne's a big uh, is a big influence on me, and uh, you know, Chuck Palahniuk and uh, Hemingway, and you know, I've been reading a lot of Raymond Carver recently, and a lot of also been reading a lot of pulp noir. So I just read a bunch of Mickey Spillane stories. Uh, because I was working on this other project. And, I mean, I, I try to read as broadly as possible. Uh, and I read, you know, I think I read just about everything but romance at this point. No no romance novels not, for you. Not really. I don't need yeah. it. My life is romantic yeah. enough. Oh, there so. you go. Well, that's good. Yeah. That is good. Uh, what, what about uh, advice you might have for uh, aspiring authors? Hmm. I mean, I, I think you, I'd warn them you can't make a living at it. Uh, once upon a time, maybe you could, but unless you're J.K. Rowling or Stephen King, it's it's really hard to make a living at it now. Uh, so, and there are a lot of places that'll let you write for free, uh, you know, and you can, you know, write for exposure, but you can die of exposure. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you got to be kind of, you know, got to be kind of realistic about what your options are. And, you know, you got to have a day job and keep your day job and, you know, write on the side. Or I used, when I was teaching high school, I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning every day just to have an hour writing time before wow. I got ready for work. And, you know, I wrote two or three books that way, you know, and it's not the most enjoyable thing in the world, but, you know, you get it done, you do it. So, you know, it's all about time in the chair and, and uh, a small, hard ego and uh, keep going and realize you're probably not going to buy a yacht. Or <laughs> well, and, and it also, I mean, I would have to think, I have never even attempted one, but it, w- it would have to take a lot of discipline, like, like you showed in the example uh, you just gave. I mean, you've got to be disciplined and, and do it on a regular, uh, daily basis. Yeah, you got to get up and do it because it, yeah. if it's not going to get done, you know, the, it's it's better to have a, a bad done document you can make better <laughs> than a no document at all. So <laughs> just get in there and crank it out and, you know, go through it and polish it up and see what's worth keeping. And I think we, we touched on this earlier uh, in our interview today. Uh, are, are some books you you attempt to write more difficult than others very much so and you know some of it's like a, the 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 book i just kind of put away that shelved was uh was kind of a sci-fi mystery uh and the mystery hard part was the part that was the hardest you know like trigger you know i could figure out who done it and all that kind of thing but you know leaving the clues where the reader can find it and the you know you it's really hard to not make your cop 
figured detective look like an idiot because he's missing all these clues and you know you get to wait for the big reveal and you know it's just it's just you know so that was really tough and that was the first time I've attempted a mystery so I'm going to go back and work on that a little bit later but you know in sometimes one of the fun things about or the fun things about sci-fi and the irritating things about sci-fi is if you're writing the near future stuff uh, the future catches up with you quite a bit you know, you, uh, you know, you're writing about AIs and all of a sudden AIs are threatening jobs of actors and, you know, writers. You know, you write about this kind of thing. I had one uh, thing I had to change in a book. Uh, it's a hangout where, like, kids were hanging out virtually online. And Google came out with Google Hangouts like a month after I finished that book. So I had to go back and change that. So, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're all very different. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any uh, one person uh, from your past uh, more responsible for uh, what you're doing right now, or is it all was it all just you? That's an interesting question. Uh, it might be Miss Hickey, my second grade librarian. Who wow. uh, I second would, grade? Second grade. I would yeah. write. I loved the library, and I would write poetry for her and give it to her, and she always uh, encouraged my writing. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. And that's it. It just came to you just like that. So obviously, it's I thought true. About it. Yeah. 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 Rob Green is with us. He writes as R.W.W. Green. And his uh, latest book is Mercury Rising, which is number three. Another one is coming out uh, in October. So get ready for that. Uh, what's the best way for, for people to uh, to reach you? Uh, keep a website at rwwgreengreene.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at rwwgreene as well. Very simple. It is New Hampshire Authors Week here on WKXL in partnership with the New Hampshire Writers Project. And, of course, we are presented by the New Hampshire Writers Project and our primary sponsor, Northeast Delta Dental. And we have one segment left with Rob Green right here on WKXLNHtalkradio.com. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company, and this week it is New Hampshire Authors Week, and we're partnering up with the New Hampshire Writers Project on WKXL and HTalkRadio.com, presented by the New Hampshire Writers Project and our primary show sponsor, which is Northeast Delta Dental. And our first guest on New Hampshire Authors Week is Rob Green. He writes as R.W.W. Green, and he's a New Hampshire-based science fiction writer. And uh, what what do you enjoy doing most, Rob, when you when you're not writing? Hmm. Uh, I like. It's, well, I've got a lot of hobbies. Uh, you know, the typewriter collecting. We keep bees. I really like oh, bees too. Bees huh? are fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, during the pandemic, we picked up a couple of uh, collapsible uh, folding kayaks. We do a lot of kayaking in the local urban ponds in Manchester. Um, you know, I got a cat I like quite a bit. You know, I like to read. You know, reading takes up a lot of time. A- 80 books so far this year, folks. 80 books so far yeah. this year. Um, you know, so it, it kind of depends. And we, one of the best things about the summer is we have an open grill uh, on Friday afternoons for our friends. And we just divide. Uh-huh. We, have, we have the grill. You know, we have the music. Everybody just comes and hangs out. So nice. I think that's one of our favorite times during the summer. Oh, so, that is that is terrific. Yeah, we keep occupied. Yeah, yeah, I guess you do. Have you ever gone on any, uh, and I think you, you mentioned that you have, uh, literary pilgrimages, uh, you know, to research a book or, or other books? 
Yeah, I've, I've been to some places that I just, you know, because you just want to feel them out and like, you know, you don't want to get anything wrong or, you know, if you do want to, if you do get it wrong or have to change things that, you know, just to make things fit, you want to at least be able to say why you did. Um, you know, the second book I wrote um, is a is a kind of a cross-country post-apocalyptic um, uh, road trip story. Uh, so I had to, you know, figure out the map and figure out where these people were going and what they did and that kind of thing and and that uh, kind of fun stuff. But as far as, you know, like other literary pilgrimages, I also like going to um, like the, the Vonnegut Museum and places like that or, mm-hmm. the, or the Writers Museum in um, – where was I last? In Chicago, you know, so places like that. I also like going to – uh, pilgrimage of, of that nature, you know, where, where my heroes used to live, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ter- terrific. So uh, uh, how have you found the, the best way to market your books? That's that's an interesting question. Um, I'm, I'm traditionally published, so I've got a, a – I'm not self-published. I've got a publisher who, like, you know, uh, finds places to put, like, blog entries and – gets the books on the shelves at like Barnes and Noble and places like that and Amazon and places like that. So I don't have to do like that kind of marketing. Um, I, I write the book and then I do, I'll like, like write posts for other people's blogs and that kind of thing. Uh, and I'm fairly active on social media trying to let people know, um, you know, hey, buy my book, buy my mm. book. <laughs> um, I, you know, I also go to like the science fiction conventions for like the charm offensive. You know, you go and meet people and yeah. talk to them, give yeah. a couple of copies of the book away. Um, but I, you know, other than that, I don't have to do too too much. Have you ever gone to the? Uh, I, I know they have science fiction conventions and fairs, whatever it might be, with you know some of the uh, the stars of you know Star Trek or other science fiction shows yep. and, and movies, that sort of thing. Have you ever run into anybody like that at uh, any of the ones you've attended? Famous people. I mean, yeah, I've run into you know Stan Lee and, oh, yeah. and William yeah. Shatner, and uh, I. I I was I shared a, a urinal bank with a guy who played Odo on Deep Space Nine. Uh, you know that's one of my literary urinal encounters. Um, you know, yeah, I've, I've you know I've met some you know I've met some of the great writers too. Uh, you know, uh, James Patrick Kelly's a New Hampshire writer, uh, science fiction writer who is you know Hugo's and Nebulas and this kind of stuff. And you know I, st- I met him at a convention, and since then he's become quite a good friend. Um, you know, so yeah, you you know, it's, sometimes it's okay to meet your heroes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, so from uh, from research from start to finish, how long does it generally take you to get a book done? I feel like if 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 everything's firing well, I can I can do a good draft in about three or four months. Uh, and that's not bad. That's not bad, and that happens. You know, it doesn't happen every time, but it happens a lot of the time. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm in if I'm in a zone, um, the last. The last one took longer than that, and the the nightmare I was working on before I trunked it was taking longer than that too. So uh, that's about the right the right amount of time. Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I talked to a gentleman on the show uh, last week who has just put together a uh, about a four hundred page book, and said uh, it, it took him like nine and a half years 
to to research it and get it all together. Yeah, well, I, well yeah. the thing is with your first book, your first book can take nine and a half years, yeah. and then the second book they wanted a year after that, and then a year after that. So then you're writing faster and faster, uh, yeah. trying to. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, you, you've been writing for uh, a long time, and uh, you've uh, you know been reading for longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any favorite authors that that stand out? You talked about Kurt Vonnegut uh, for sure. Yeah, I think modern authors, uh, Becky Chambers is a sci-fi writer I like a lot. Uh, she writes, um, you know, it's, it's almost with the kind of a cozy sci-fi where there's right. not like a lot of space battles, but it's like people learning to live with each other, uh, that kind of thing. Um, um, let's see, I'm a big William Gibson fan, the big cyberpunk guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still is writing uh, stuff that is is very contemporary and very pertinent to the situations we're in. Um, I mean, I've also met, you know, through my publishing company, I've also met some really interesting people. Uh, Dan Hanks is an English writer who writes like uh, adventure kind of stuff. And Chris Panettiere is another friend of mine from Dallas who is working on his first horror novel and he's a good writer. You know, know, you, you get into the community pretty quick, pretty fast and uh, you start realizing you're promoting your best friend, which may have just happened. Yeah, there, there you go, right yeah, here on WKXL. Yeah. Now, do you do you remember as far back as uh, what your favorite book might have been as a child? Ooh, that's an interesting question because I read them all. You know, yeah. I read you know I read all the Tom Swift books and the Danny Dunn books, and you know, but I think my favorite book was a, a book my grandmother gave me called The Prince of Central Park, and it's uh, about this kid who. You know, back in the 1970s, I like the 70s for some reason. I don't know why. You know, it's just I like the the feel of the 70s. But uh, Prince of Central Park is about this foster kid who runs away and lives in a tree in Central Park. Builds a tree house, gets a dog, oh. robs Tavern of the Green restaurant, the food. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I kind of like that independent spirit. So Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, in an earlier segment that uh, the, the person who gave you the most confidence as a youngster was your your second grade teacher, a uh, librarian, yeah, a uh, uh, librarian, yes, and her name again was uh, Mrs. Hickey. Okay, and that was where uh, Whitefield Elementary School in Whitefield, Maine. Whitefield, Maine, is that where you, you grew up? Obviously, yep, we grew up there in Maine. And so, what was it about her? I mean, uh, what? How did she? She obviously knew. I mean, even just as a second grader, that you had some potential in that area. Yeah, well, first, you know, first of all, she was the librarian, and librarians yeah. are all kind of, you know, they have books, and you know, you go see them for the books, and you yeah. know, just she and I, I wrote her uh, some poems. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why, in particular, I shared them with her, but uh, she liked them. She said she liked them and encouraged me to write more, so I did. You know, and I think that's all it kind of took. Um, and uh, she was just a, you know, a very warm-hearted, good lady. You know, Whitefield's a very small town, and you know, I, I also knew her because I volunteered for the firemen's baked bean suppers every uh-huh. every quarter. And, mm-hmm. you know, her husband was always working there, too. And it was it was just an interesting kind of kind of thing. But yeah. she recognized your, your potential, and uh, here you are today. Yeah, just a yeah. good lady. You know? After uh, four books. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I don't want to jump the gun here, but uh, your, your fourth one is coming out in October. So are you... Right now, working on number five. I am. I am. Um, I'm not working to contract this time, which means I, you know, for the last, I, you know, last four years, every book I've been written has already been sold before, mm. you know, before now. So I'm, 
you know, trying to do something a little different, uh, a little experimental. I was hoping to do five books in five years, but it might end up being, you know, five books in six or five books in seven, and that's okay too. Um, so I'm working, yeah, I'm working on, uh, well, the thing I just, I just trunked, uh, I still think is going to have life sometime, mm-hmm. yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm working on a kind of a cyberpunk thriller thing right now, which is, having, which is fun. So, so five books in, in five years, you're, you're cranking them out. Uh, Trying to. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about shelf space. It's all yeah. about taking up space on the bookshelf. You know, all the greens lined up together. You yeah. know, that's what you want. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the whole the book marketing, book publishing is very strange. You know, the, the sequel of any book makes about half as much as the original book. So it's hard to sell the sequel. So, you know, you try to write standalones, which, you know, story that stand alone, because that's kind of where everybody wants to publish. But, so you, but you need to have a new idea every time. Uh, and then, you know, it's, there's all this worry now about the artificial intelligence taking over all the writing jobs and, mm. you know, it's, mm. uh, acting it's a, jobs, acting jobs, voiceover jobs, jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a heck of a time to be a creative type, you know? Yeah, no, uh, that, that is, uh, that is very true. How many hours a day do you spend writing? Uh, I, I can, you know, usually three or four, you know, yeah. I, I like to write in the morning. Um, I get up, you know, have coffee with my spouse, my wife, and then we go to our different rooms to work. Uh, and, uh, you know, if I'm writing in a typewriter, she can hear I'm working. If I'm not writing in a typewriter, then hopefully I'm working. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, you, you've got the, the fourth book out, Mercury Rising, or third book out, yep. and the, the other one is coming up uh, in October with yep. uh, yet another one on the way. And, uh, you know, you have, uh, you've, you've cranked them out. And uh, credit to you for being as disciplined uh, as you are. But I know I can see that you love it. I do. I yep. do. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Uh, Rob, it's been uh, great having you with us. Our, our first guest of the week on New Hampshire Authors uh, Week from uh, the New Hampshire Writers Project, which does a, a terrific job in promoting uh, local authors. And uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed the conversation. And, of course, we are presented this week by the New Hampshire Writers Project in conjunction with our primary show sponsor, which is Northeast Delta Dental. We thank you for joining us today uh, on the first day of New Hampshire Authors Week. We'll have more all this week right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Thanks for joining us.